Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of cocktails and crimes. I'm here with my intro, though, don't you? That intro is amazing. And you know who made my intro? (laughs) This lady right here, this wonderful, (laughs) wonderful co-host of mine, and um, she does all my graphics. She does everything for me. Um, she's kind of like my my babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is your mic set up right? Wait, I can't yeah, hear like, you. <laughs> it's it, she has to do everything yeah. for me. I swear. It's so this week we are moving on to another case, and I will tell you, this case deserved a strong, strong cocktail. Okay, so this week we're going to be talking about Christian Andriacchio. And I'm not even going to lie. I knew I had to come up with something like a really strong and potent drink for this one. So this week's cocktail for you to sit back and sip is going to be a blackberry bourbon tea. Now, I love Mm. bourbon. Obviously, it's quite the theme here. Um, But this is a big recipe. So you don't make it small. It's actually like a big recipe. So it's going to be... Three cups of fresh blueberries or blackberries, whatever you choose. I did blackberries. Uh, Three quarters cups of sugar. Two tablespoons of fresh mint. One and a half quarts of ice cold water. And six good quality black tea bags. You have to have like top quality because you want the bitter. Ice and then your bourbon. Um, You're going to make your blackberries in a bowl with your sugar and your mint, and you're going to muddle them or mash them. Some people mash them. Um, and then while they're sitting, you're going to bring your water to a bowl, uh, add your tea bags, let them steep for about three to five minutes, remove the bags, pour the tea over the mixture, let it sit at room temperature for one hour, let all those flavors come together, pour the mixture over, through a strainer into a picture, press on the solids. You want to get all that flavor out. Cover. And refrigerate until cold for at least two hours. Uh, I left mine sitting like overnight. Mm. And actually you can put it in an ice bath to cool it quicker. Um, And then you serve it over ice in whatever glass you choose. This case I was going to do just like a regular Tom Collins glass. This case required breaking out the tumbler. Yeah, for sure. And then when you pour your tea mixture over, you're going to do a big floater of bourbon on top. So I did... uh, three shots of bourbon on this one because it's a big cup which means we're going to sip really slow yeah and i add some mint stir it together and sit back and sip while you sit back and listen because this case let me tell you we've covered the cocktail but let's get into the crime I, i don't even have words for this one um and let me preface this by saying Trigger warning. We're not nice over here. We're not going to be nice. This is a case that happened really close to home. And not only that, it was someone on a, you know, a young kid. There's talk of unaliving. There's um, different situations, drug use. So any of those things that trigger you, I'm probably not the person that you want to listen to. I'm foul-mouthed, and this is not going to be any different. Um, And this case pissed me off. So when I got told about it, and then I looked into it, and I started researching, I knew that this was the one that I wanted to talk about. 
Um, especially after I've sat and listened to so many of Christian's mom's interviews. And yeah. yeah. I just my heart for this woman, this family just mm-hmm. absolutely breaks into I it's, I can't even fathom at all. Almost as if they're like being told hush just it's nothing just Just go away yeah but Um, literally this is your child's life i mean exactly and and you know what i will say this i have the utmost respect for the andriacchios um ray Mm -hmm. has pushed so hard through all of this Mm -hmm. and has just she's not stopped fighting and that shows a mother's love it shows what kind of family he came from um, and it just it shows the quality of people and then like to hear all the things that have been said about Christian from his friends and his family people that just met him one time so never underestimate the love of a mother that's absolutely you know. not I'm a mom you're a mom mm-hmm. and they're, what these people have gone through I can't even imagine I, and I can see like like we've always said you know when we're talking about Summer's case I'd burn the world down and and Ray has gone to every extreme and the amount of respect that I give to this woman is just insane. Same here. Um, What's, what's powerful is that she's got a lot of um, really powerful and expert type people um, backing her on this. So, I mean, I think if the, um, you know, if these, the law enforcement agencies there are not seeing, you know, um, I think the more that she goes forward with this, um, the more pressures putting, being put on everyone involved, absolutely those that know what happened. And my, my, my suggestion would be keep pushing because, um, someone's going to crack. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, law enforcement needs to get it together because once that crack happens and everything spills out, oh, this is, they're yeah. going to look really, really bad. Oh, there, so, there are no words. And, and yeah. like, I wanted to preface even getting into it by just like saying all of that, because this is going to be a multi-part series. Um, I'm not going to ever take a case and look at it and try to sum it into one show. If, there's just so much detail. So a lot of these cases that we do look into are multi-part for a reason. And this one, I I can't say if it's going to be three. I don't, this one could end up being, I'm not even going to lie. This could be like a 10 part. We could probably talk about it for the next year. Um, and I'm, I'm just shocked. I, the more that I read, the more pissed off I get. And then the more shocked I get. Um, so if you're looking for shock value, You've come to the right place, not in a good way, but you have. So we're going to take it all the way back. This happens in 2014. So let's set the scene. Okay. Small town in Mississippi, Meridian, Mississippi in Lauderdale County. Most of you know, I sound like cornbread. So obviously I'm from the South. I am actually from Mississippi. This happened about an hour and a half from where I live. Um, So taking it all the way back small town small police department you can kind of pick up where this is probably going to go um february 26 2014 cold day in mississippi um and that's the day that would change the life of ray and todd andriacchio and their family um for the rest of their lives their son christian shane andriacchio would be found dead supposedly by suicide um when his 
dead body is found in a Mississippi apartment. Um, it's dismissed as a suicide by the police after a very short investigation. However, his parents to this day believe that it was a planned murder. Um, I know that this case has had all the twists and turns. So on this first part, let's just talk about um, the day of and that atrocious thing that's a girlfriend. Um, yeah, I can't even stand her. I don't even want to say her fucking name. And I tried. I want to say that going into this, I always try to keep an open mind when we do these. I tried to keep an open mind with this one, and it did not take me long to change my mind and be like, mm, "Yeah, no, just the mishandling." Uh, Mm-hmm. So, getting into the facts, Christian uh, Christian Shane Andriacchio was born on November 4th, 1992. He is the second child out of four of Ray and Todd. Um, Ray and Todd both grew up in Meridian, um, Mississippi. There aren't enough words to... A Christian. He was just precious. Like, he was just I mean? precious. Yeah. And to hear everyone say and listen to the interviews there aren't enough words to even like describe the type of man that christian actually was he was um in the words of friends family he was family oriented he was hardworking. he was loyal he was very ambition which truly shined through in his career christian worked on a towboat for magnolia marine in the mississippi river um he knew from an early age that he wanted to work offshore like on a rig or on a boat. And then when he turned 18, he started applying. He got his credentials and he landed a job with Magnolia Marine. He worked his way up through all the positions. And in three short years, which I'm going to speak from experience, it's pretty insane. He was on track to become the youngest towboat captain Captain, on the Mississippi River in three years. That doesn't show you dedication and drive and the type of person and the ambition and goals that this this kid you have, had you have some inside knowledge on on that industry in itself i, I mean, do i'm a chill. so i am a tugboat wife and mm-hmm. my husband um has been out there for 15 years he made his 15 in march and so looking into this when i found out the company that he worked for i have friends that work for magnolia marine and i actually called them and asked them a couple of questions to clarify and double check because some of the things that I, I heard and read didn't add up, um, especially about the night that he was picked up when we get into that. Um, so I, I definitely, you know, I, I jumped into looking and being like, mm, hmm. it doesn't sound right. Yeah, so, no, for sure. But just talking about his drive and everything, the fact that he was 18 years old, and I, I'm telling you now, it is very rare that an 18-year-old goes to work out there and stays I, those guys come and go so christian being 18 he lands this job he's making really good money and he's working his way through all the positions on this boat and in three years he's looking at a captain spot like he's going to be the youngest captain on the river that's fucking amazing amazing, amazing. drive so, yeah. you know he has all these and i i know we're like kind of pounding on that but I, I want to make that clear. So going into this, you understand why so much of this doesn't make sense. Um, so Christian is um, dating this this girl 
you know you love will do these crazy shit but yeah Mm -hmm. um Christian worked on these 30-day hitches on the boat. So he leaves, um, goes from Meridian, Mississippi to Vicksburg, Mississippi, where he parks his Jeep in the lot in Vicksburg and gets on the boat. And then while he's on this 30-day hitch, or supposed to be on the boat, Christian ends up dead in his apartment in Meridian. Um so Christian began dating 17-year-old Whitley Goodman. She's wild, bad reputation, doesn't really seem like a good match for Christian. Oh, there she is right there, yeah. His um, parents are concerned about the compatibility. Um well, the age itself and yeah. um, you know, there she is. Oh, um, shitly. <laughs> um just her story in itself they meet and then oh no my mom kicked me out i have nowhere to go and um i think that was kind of a an mo for her because uh as we'll get into later she made some similar references to another another gentleman that she was spending time with while supposedly with christian so yeah i think that was just her manipulate manipulative way to get men to do what she wanted so and so According to um, to Ray Andriacchio, she described, you know, Whitley described a very chaotic childhood. Um, and that's kind of one of the things like Christian, I think, wanted to save her. You know, he wanted mm-hmm. to come in and take care of her. Um, and then after like this first month. Okay, so the new wore off really quickly from what I gather. And um, yeah, within yeah. this, this, yeah, this first month, sh- things just started to go downhill. Um, and Ray said that she started becoming more and more concerned about the relationship. Well, didn't she? So we, we need to back up a little bit. Uh, mom kicked her out. She had nowhere to go. So she moves in with Ray and. So now and that they're together. And then this, this, so the first month. Like basically just off. moved in with Christian's parents. Yeah. They, and, and now remember Christian and Whitley met through a mutual friend, right? And Whitley being a few years younger they were kind of obsessed with each other. You know, that young love. Um, uh, they were super toxic, which is described yeah. by multiple people. But Christian's best friend, Taylor, said that he had known Whitley, Whitley's family before he ever met Whitley. Um, he never saw her with the family. They let her run wild. But even a teacher who describes Christian so fondly actually remembers Whitley. And remember, now his teacher speaks super highly of Christian, right? doesn't really speak so fondly of whitley Mm, um she said she was always in trouble she had to have an ankle monitor she had to wear it due to truancy issues um and the teacher even goes on to say that once during state testing whitley's monitor went off and they had to have her mom come down to change it or charge it Mm. um and at first the andriacchios did think that whitley was just sweet and she was mild so at one point she moves into their home Christian tells his parents Whitley has nowhere to go. She told him that her mom got remarried. They had kids. They told her that they had not room for her anymore. And of course the Andriacchios felt for her. So, and they're obviously in everything that I've learned about these people, they are clearly wonderful people. So they allow her to come live with them in their home. Now their home. 
And so Christian and Whitley lived in the basement. It's like a finished, it was like an apartment down there, like a man cave apartment. He had his own entrance Um, out to the lake and like he could go out to the lake. So they had privacy, they had plenty of space. And she still manages to wear out her welcome with these people who openly took her in with open arms and said, Yes, you can live here. You know, they have no obligation to help this child because she is a child. Mm-hmm. And then Ray starts hearing stories around town um, and seeing things for herself that made her question Whitley's character, her mental stability, her intentions with Christian. She starts noticing that Whitley is always the victim in her stories and always has excuses. Like she walks around with a bag of excuses and just throws them out there. Um, oh, yeah. And then she starts seeing tweets that Whitley is like posted online publicly. Um, like one in, for instance, was like, just woke up. What should I do first? Meth or bath salts? And like tons of other drug references all over social media. I mean, just all over them. So, I mean, of course, Whitley's like, that was a joke. It was just kidding. First off, you're 17. Why are you posting about doing meth anyways? Well, or any other. No you need to take your ass to school. Either. Like, that's what you need to be doing. Mm. Um, but Ray and Christian actually um, had a tradition of going to lunch at O'Charlie's. Now, remember, in all of this, Whitley is still living in the Andriacchios. So Ray and mm-hmm. Christian have this tradition. They would always go to have lunch at O'Charlie's before he left out on one of his hitches. Right. Um, so they went once and Ray kind of took the chance to, to talk to him about Whitley and their relationship and express that she really didn't trust her. Christian kind of brushed it off. You know, mom, this isn't serious. We're just having fun. It's not like we're getting married. Um, but Ray noticed that things started were missing around the house. And Whitley was just blatantly rude to people like wait staff at restaurants for no reason. Um, well, she started doing manip. Yeah, she just apparently was a vile human being. Well, I know that um, he was particularly close to one of his younger, his sister. And there was a lot of strife between Whitley and his sister. Oh, yes. Whom he was she very started just to. being extremely manipulative. Mm-hmm. And so Ray describes the relationship with um, Alexa as like Christian was kind of like the second dad. You know, she wanted to be mm-hmm. right wherever Christian was. They were best of friends, so to speak, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I believe there was a lot of jealousy between the fact that he was so close to his family in general, but being so close to Ray and being right. so close to Alexa, I think that was a lot of Whitley's problem as well. Well, well, yeah. I mean, if he's close to his family, how is she going to manipulate him? Exactly. You know? And so, like, but then she started doing things. Like, she would call Krishna, tell him that Alexa is out smoking and riding around with people that she shouldn't. Or, you know, and so Krishna, being the protective big brother that he is, you know, would call his mom and tell her, you know, you need to get Alexa. And then mom would be like, well, She's here at the house. So there, there's just all these red flags. Well, then Willie starts going into Alexa's room and Ray and Todd's room without their permission. Um, and so she goes in one time she goes in the master bedroom and she takes a picture of Christian and his ex-girlfriend of five years, Avery, out of a frame. Now they were together for five years. There's going to be pictures. There's going to be all these things. Um, and of course, you know, Ray didn't go through the house and like 
scrub Avery from existence. The family still loves Avery. Avery still loves the family. Avery's family loves the Andriacchios. They love Christian. Yeah, I mean they were were together for five years. I mean, arts or something. Yeah, yeah, like they they were together for Mm -hmm. five years. So of course Ray's not going to just like delete this woman from existence. And and nevertheless, it's not something that you necessarily think about. You you know exactly how many pictures you have in your wall that you don't even think about it anymore you know exactly not like it was a purposeful thing you know yeah like she but you know right didn't go through the house oh they broke up let me remove all these pictures she didn't do that so Mm. one time um apparently avery or ray and todd and alexa and all are gone so there's this picture of avery and christian in ray and todd's room now ray didn't notice this picture missing or anything out of the ordinary until whitley brings it back in her room and the faces are stabbed out of this picture um and said that ray said that whitley came in and put the picture in front of her and said that's what i think of that like just that's horrible just i mean but then the final straw comes so remember whitley's posting up what should i do meth or bath salts like all these drug references and then the final straw comes with the andriacchios and they're like she's got to go so willie gave alexa a xanax alexa's never had it and so she's out knocked cold right they're done they're done being nice to her they're done letting her live in their home you know this this girl has just towed the lines on everything that you could possibly do to people that have allowed you to live in their home for free mind you um and so ray even says that she you know felt that Willie didn't like her or Alexa and was jealous of the relationship. So she poked at it on purpose. I think and so. she was mm-hmm. trying to alienate Christian from his family. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kick her out and that obviously upsets Christian who decided that if Whitley can't stay, neither was he. So around the same time, Christian's older brother, Josh is going through a divorce. He has an apartment in Meridian with a spare room so christian and whitley move into the room and then josh actually gets to see whitley in action mm. um now josh says that she's a high school dropout she's a partier uh but he he said he didn't pay much attention to their relationship um oh, we got a comment but, here hello <laughs> i love him um <laughs> but he says that they never discussed Whitley actually moving in more like she could stay here, here and there. But like, there was no discussion of her actually like moving in full time, but she right. did, but she did. Mm-hmm. So right. Josh ends up becoming like her babysitter while Christian's on the boat. Now Josh says, I didn't really talk to her. Just kind of kept watch. You know, it's his younger brother, of course, you know, yeah. and she's in his house. So yeah. yeah. Um, now, while Christian's off at work, Whitley is out and about spending his money, driving his car, living in his apartment. Uh, she's not working. She's not going to school. And she's not medicated. All of medicated. which she's supposed to be medicated doing. Medicated. Yeah. So I'm not sure way. the medications that she's supposed to be on. But I have a pretty sneaky feeling. Well, it makes for you some, wonder. I mean, with the Xanax thing, you know, maybe that she was on something like that. Um, would explain for you know all the partying in the wild um just you know chaos 
exactly and maybe untreated medical mental issue can be all over the place so or she's just a horrible human being that too that too. <laughs> could I mean, be a little bit of both um um so now remember so she's christian's at work and she's just out fucking partying and living her best life of course on christian's dime you know and when neither christian nor josh were there because josh also works on a boat now they don't have the same schedule but josh works on a boat as Another well comment or meth you seem to see a, a reoccurrence in these yeah, things maybe. yeah um so while they're gone the apartment is now like the the fucking party pad you know well, yeah. she's and, and, and 17 years josh old she's running people too, right josh works on the boats too right so, yes so i i remember reading or hearing that they have inner interchanging type of schedules so one would be gone then the other would be gone. Sometimes somebody was there with her. Sometimes somebody, nobody was there with her. And yep. And the um, times that she was by herself, she's just running around, living it up. And it, of course, it's all at Christian's expense. Um, his brother as well. I mean, they're paying the rent. They're paying utility exactly. bills. And uh, she's just doing whatever, you know. Yeah, just running around. So then when he's, but now when Christian's home. Okay, so. Christian is a super outgoing person, a lot of friends. Everybody knows him. Christian and Avery actually split up because they're kind of their lives were going in separate directions, you know. He's only home, you know, 15 days. He wants to go and go and go. And, you know, Avery's in school and it just those two things weren't coinciding. Oh, yeah. And so Whitley comes along and she's a partier and they meet. But then all of a sudden when Christian's home and they're, you know, together, they don't go out at all. They literally stay home at the apartment doing nothing but playing Xbox. Now, Christian is an outgoing person, a lot of friends, right? So And he's been you know, gone and he's young. So, days yeah. boat. But my suspicion with that is that she just didn't want to get caught up. Somebody that seen her out partying all exactly. 30 days he was gone. Um, they're like, wait, you have a boyfriend? What do you mean? You know, who's exactly. this guy? Oh, who's this guy? She didn't want to get caught up in whatever she was doing, you know? Exactly. So once Christian gets fed up with a bunch of different things going on, and he asks Josh to go and buy a home drug test, and he tells Josh if she fails to kick her out. Okay. So mm. Josh goes, gets the drug test, tells Whitley the consequences if she fails it. Um, and she refused to take it at first and says she already knew that she was going to fail. She was going to fail for weed or marijuana. But benzos as well. She admitted to that before the well, test. See, no, she didn't admit to that before. So she says, I'm going to fail for weed and I'm not going to take it. So Josh tells Christian and Christian's like, well, tell her to take it anyways, to prove that she's only going to fail for, for weed. She agrees and then fails it um, for benzos. So Josh, doing what Christian said, follows his directive. He kicks her out. He put all of her things in black plastic trash bags. But it said that Whitley had zero reaction. Like, no no reaction to being kicked and out. And a lot of that was um, what I'd read and heard, you know, uh, I think it was even the brother that was talking about it on another show that um 
whatever she did, she'd work her magic and apologize. Yeah. And then he'd let her come back home. So this is an ongoing thing. He'd get rid of yeah. her, kick her out and then she'd come back or they'd break up and then get back together. So, yep. She would manipulate and play blind. her yeah. cards and always get her way. And then she would come back. Um, and I think that's why she didn't really have any, re any reaction because she, she thought, didn't. oh, I'm just going to be back. I'll be back, you know. No reaction yeah. whatsoever. Because, like you said, she knew that was, that was, she didn't have anything to worry about. So she, of course, eventually moves back in after talking with Christian and promising she would change. So yeah. now it's said that Christian obviously has a soft spot for her. Um, and he has a blind spot as well. So she's living off of his money, and I mean, he bought her clothes, makeup, bought her a car, car I believe. Yeah, yeah, fucking anything that she wanted. He bought her, you know, she's just over here, seventeen years old, riding around, and and she's got boat money. Um, mm. now, and it should be said here that even Whitley's closest friends, people that do know her, do not have a good description of her either. Mm, they have called her yeah. a manipulative, sneaky, a cheater, mm -hmm. a liar. Yep. I mean, the list of things they've called this girl, and they're her friends. They know her is insane. Right. Um, so, with that being said, now remember the manipulation that goes with this. Due to Christian's job, he has a set life insurance policy. And I'm going to say up front, that's really not unusual for any guy at any age if they work out there on the boats. Um, because you do know shit can happen out there there especially during like high river with my husband um i mean i worry i don't know if he's coming home you know shit happens if you just go and like look up things that can happen out there you won't sleep for weeks oh i bet um, so yeah, he has a life insurance policy which is normal now ray and avery are the beneficiaries on this life insurance policy oh, and so avery backtrack for for viewers that she's the five-year girlfriend probably just never thought to take her off you know she was the girlfriend high school sweethearts i um, think not like he always knew that he would get back with avery maybe maybe so it's not because um, i think that he knew her you know she would graduate from school and and no it's not <laughs> high river is not another day um but I think that he always, you know, suspected or knew that he would get back with Avery. And I think that's why he didn't really care to take it off. Because Maybe in one so. thing that I listened so. to or read, he he had told his mom, you know, I'm going to live here till I'm 27. Which was, would give time for Avery to graduate from college. And basically they could get married and settle down. Um, however, that of course will never happen now. Um so, but after an accident takes place at work, Whitley finally expresses that she wants to be on the life insurance policy as his beneficiary because she's worried what would happen to her and the baby if an accident baby. were to occur. Yeah. So she is, she had started recently beginning to express that she thought that she was pregnant. By the way, she wasn't. It actually appeared from some text messages that she told him she thought she was and then she came back later a couple of days and said mm -hmm. she wasn't but then she said what if i was who would take care of me and the baby because you know my mother wouldn't so right. i think that she like probably was preemptively planning to get pregnant anyways but mm -hmm. then she was Possibly. like mm, life insurance right i think no matter what 
all of this had to do with money. Everything, everything Whitney does all money. or did, anything she does, it was is, all is money. It money. was every every single bit of it was all drugs money. and money. And how can I how can I get more and move forward? Um, exactly, living off of somebody else or you know. Well, and you know when Christian started asking around at work about taking Avery off as his beneficiary and replacing her with Whitley, he talked to his dad and then he talked to a lady that he worked with about it. Mm -hmm. uh, who they referred to her name is Miss Cheryl, boat but they referred mama. to her as Boat Mama. Boat mama yeah. And Miss Cheryl was adamant that he should not do anything <laughs> until it's even confirmed that Willie's pregnant. Well, obviously she says, I'm not pregnant. Yay. So, um, and even this lady, Boat Mama, refers to Whitley as nothing but money hungry. Mm -hmm. So it's all revolving around the almighty dollar, as you can see from just this little bit. Um, now, Ray says that she doesn't know if there was ever a pregnancy or if it was just another lie. Um, Most likely just a lie. Clearly, Whitley wasn't fucking pregnant. Yeah, right. Um, so Ray Todd and Boat Mama all assume or believe that Whitley assumed the insurance policy was changed. And Ray and Avery actually are, they remained the beneficiaries on life insurance. Mm. Christian's brother Josh remembers that Christian and Whitley were on the outs at the time. Um, and Josh had encouraged him to break up with her for good. The drug test indicated that, you know, during Christian's most recent hitch, um, that was enough for him to kind of encourage Christian to follow this plan that Christian had told him about leaving Meridian and moving to Jackson without Whitley. Like he was just going to up and leave. Mm -hmm. So talking about like leaving the furniture behind and just get yeah, out. Just and I don't blame dipping him. out. Just being done. Be done. With so on February 22nd of 2014, Christian is scheduled to leave for another trip. Um, and the night before a fight takes place between Christian and Whitley. And apparently Whitley had gone to a party and Christian didn't trust what she had done. So the couple's not on speaking terms when he leaves for his hitch. Um, and when he left, he took a lockbox in his Jeep that contained a gun and $7,000. Now he arrives at his destination, parks his car in a secured parking lot in Vicksburg, Mississippi, and gets on the boat. Now, Josh is already on another boat for his own hitch. He went out on the 7th. So, now, Willie's been at home alone. Okay, she's unsupervised completely. And Christian is overly concerned about what she's doing when she's left her own devices. So, he's tracking her phone, probably on Live 360. They both do. Um, but he's texting Josh about how awful his relationship is, and he's ready for it to be over. So... Christian calls Whitley over and over five times between 5 p.m. and 1 a.m. on the 25th and the 26th. Um, and he called her one more time at 7.15 in the morning. She ignores his calls, ignores all his text messages. So he kept calling their mutual friend, Dylan Swearingen, and, you know, try to get through to Whitley. Um, now, Dylan has been in constant contact with Christian as well. And I don't know why he's been in constant contact with uh, Boat I, I, Mama. I heard, I heard that um, he had called him and told him Whitley was driving his car. Oh, like she yeah. picked up the car from the, I guess, a mechanic shop. And she was driving around town in uh -huh. his car with another, another guy. Yes. So, so Dylan's feeding phone. him some information. Yes. Spanning the fire, the flame, because he's already, you know. 
Absolutely. <laughs> so Christian's phone's going off nonstop. And like you said, you know, um, Dylan is saying, you know, Whitley's driving around. Uh, I know Grant can't stand it. If I don't, I keep my phone everywhere with me when I go. Like, I don't care if I'm walking out to my car and right back in the house. My phone is in the palm of my hand the entire time. Because if I miss a call, it's like, he's just like, you don't love me anymore. So I'm, I get I'm over the, the top. The like, I answer answering the phone when yeah. they're gone. It just drives them back. Shit um, yeah. So Christian's obviously calling her. But then Dylan's saying, hey, she's driving around in your BMW. She's got another man in the car. Um, so Christian, you need to handle this right now. Now, remember, he is on a towboat. He is in the river. You can't just up and, like, it's not like you work at, you know, right. a bank. You can't just get in and your you, car and, you know. and drive home and be like, get the hell out. Like, this takes planning. <laughs> dramatic. He's, right. Look, the comments, she, she doesn't does love, love me. You. So she dramatic. does love you. Hush your mouth. She loves you. <laughs> um, but, you know, people are dependent on you out there. And so he has to plan this opportunity to get to get off the boat so that he can come home and be like, you have another man in my car. What have you been doing? So right. he gets this opportunity on this next stop. So he has to come up with a reason for, you know, that's compelling enough for him to be let out of work. And then so he can come back. So and then he has to figure out a way to get home since his car is in Vicksburg, Mississippi which is two hours from Meridian, Mississippi, mm -hmm. but he's not close to Vicksburg or Meridian. So he's been talking about this Whitley nonsense, all this hitch to boat mama, Miss Cheryl. And so she's aware of everything. So Christian wakes up on February 25th and he's talking to her and he told her that he had to get off the boat because his mom kicked out his dad and his little sister and they needed to get into his apartment and the landlord wouldn't let them in without Christian being there. This excuse works on the captain, but like Miss Cheryl said, you know, I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. She knew. Right. It. She didn't buy it. Now, no. he told her what he had told the captain. He said, I'm going to take care of some stuff. And he would, he told the captain that he would meet them at another dock the next day. Now, it's going to be like a, a brief pit stop. And then he's coming right back. Like he's, get off the boat. I'm going to come right back. So in his mind, says, he thought, that's it. This is it. I'm going to go kick this bitch out of my house. Maybe change the logs if I need to. And then I'm going to go right back to work. So I don't have to exactly. deal with it. Exactly. So, so and he says, I'll be back at work by 530 the next evening. Okay. So Christian calls a friend that he works with, Justin Burns, around midnight on the 25th to see if he would come pick him up in St. Rose, uh, which is in Louisiana outside of New Orleans. And take him back to Meridian. Now, Justin says he would. He agreed. But before he was, like, as he's getting ready to leave to come get uh, Christian, Christian calls him and says, don't worry about it. I've got another ride. Now, Christian had tons of friends who would have happily made the mm -hmm. drive to pick him up. Mm -hmm. He didn't call any of them. If he had called Ray, I believe that that woman probably would have driven to Louisiana with a smile on her right. face and she packing supplies feel... in the trunk of her car. Right, but I also feel like she might have, um, I mean, as, as a mom, like, what's going on? Why do you need to get off the boat? Like, I probably, if I were her, 
would have tried to dig a little like, whoa, I mean, if you really need me to come get you, I will. But But why? You know, what's going on? And if if he had said it, I I definitely think she would have tried to stop that. No, no, no. Get back on the boat. Go do your thing. Leave that. Leave that alone. We'll figure it out later. I don't. Well, a part of me says that she probably would have done that. And the other part of me is like she probably would have driven to Louisiana with a smile and packing supplies and been like, get in the car. Let's go. Maybe, you know, that's two different sides. But, you know, he's 21. It's young love. If Look, I'm going to tell you right now, if my husband and I get in a fight and he's on the boat and I'm like, I'm just not going to talk to you. I promise you he's going to be like, yeah, she'll call me in an hour. Whatever. Like, he's not going to come home and rush home and any of that. When we were younger, yes. Now. Well, it's it's just a young no. people thing. You know? It is. Yeah. It's a young, it's a young person. racing and anger and, you know. Exactly. So I'm not surprised that he wanted to get off the boat and handle it. I'm not. But, you know, he tells his captain, I'm going to be back tomorrow. This is what I'm doing. I've got to let my parent, you know, he came up with his story, but he's coming right back. So Christian calls Dylan Swearingen to come get him. Now, this plan is to kick her out, get his car and go right back to work. Same day. Now, brief side note, let's talk about who the fuck Dylan Swearingen is. Mm. Okay. Dylan actually is from Meridian, new Christian. Um, they kind of grew up in the same circle, but they were not really friends. He was an acquaintance who was Whitley's friend. Um, Dylan is a known drug user, super sketchy guy. Um, and it, it just felt like in all the things I read and different, you know, pieces where, you know, information came from, like him and Whitley were always hanging out like partners in crime, like, like almost up to devious literally. stuff all the time, you know, and um, particularly when Christian was not home, he was out on his hitch. Um, they're together. They're hanging out. Yeah. They're, do- they're doing stuff. I mean, it's just weird. Um, well, and so. you know what? Christian's um, best friend. Taylor Dahl said that Dylan was bringing Christian down. Taylor likened Christian and Dylan's friendship to the old saying, you are what you eat. You become the people you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Dylan apparently is this guy who's just like laying around eating Funyuns, drinking Mountain Dew, mm-hmm. getting high all day and has zero fucking goals and ambitions in life. Well, yeah, and then they're, neither one of them are working. So Dylan now, Ray actually. Ray refers to Dylan and Willie as leeches. Uh, that's not actually oh, what okay. I have to say about them. Yeah. Um, but but really, I guess they were. I mean, neither Whitley or Dylan were working, but they were living in not just Christian's apartment, but Christian and his brother's apartment. So these guys are hardworking, paying all the bills. You just go you in. Yeah, Willie over here bringing all her friends over to just slum it out. Mm-hmm. Um, you and know, in the he was you know, they were leeches. So Dylan Swearingen wrecks his truck. Christian paid to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, Dylan's not some great friend to Christian. Um, and so for yeah. whatever reason that he called him over everyone to pick him up, that doesn't set well with me nor anybody else. Mm-hmm. But getting back to the 25th and the 26th, Christian and Dylan have spoken at about 1.30, 1.40 in the morning, and by 3.45 in the morning, Dylan's driving to St. Rose, Louisiana. Um, Christian talked on the phone to Ray at 7.30, 7.40 in the morning on the 26th while waiting for Dylan. 
Now, he told her he had to get off the phone and made absolutely no mention about getting off the boat. No, so he never, he never says anything to Ray about getting, going home. And that kind of takes me back to what I was saying earlier. Like, I think he knew mom would have talked him out of it. And mom told him to stay. Oh, on. wait a minute. Stay there. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, and she said they had a, a completely typical, normal conversation. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary. Um, she does say that she wishes they had been in a little bit of a better place in their relationship since, you know, since they were so strained over the things with Whitley. Um, but they had a normal, regular conversation. He told her he loved her like he always did, mm. hung up the phone. So Dylan picks him up at around 8 a.m. and says in his statement, now this is where I'm going to bust this whole statement wide open. He says in his statement to police that Christian was coming to his car while peeling off his blue work jumpsuit that has not been seen since, by the way. Um, but once in the car, Christian told him that he left without permission and security was after him. Um, and that they had alerted the local authorities. Now, let me tell you why I know that statement is bullshit. Mm -hmm. Number one, St. Rose, Louisiana has is a, a whole dock of its own. There's multiple barge areas for you to dock at. Okay, Magnolia Marine actually has a dock at St. Rose. There is no fucking security. It is an unsecured dock, as well as my husband's dock is unsecured. Okay. I've been there numerous times. Now, when he's talking about coming down the hill, he's talking about coming over the levee. There is no security. And here's a fun fact. There's no such thing as walking off a dock without permission. As long as you, unless there's like some kind of crazy probable cause, they think you stole something or committed a crime. Right, yeah. But alerting the local authorities, number one, cannot be done local authorities have zero jurisdiction that is maritime that is merchant marine and the only people that can come on that dock and fuck with anybody is the u.s marshals they can't arrest you out there unless they get a fucking marshal point blank period that's the law number right. two unsecured dock number three christian had his twit card and all of his credentials if you have your Twit card, just like my husband right now, could walk on to any area. I have my Twit card, and I'm here for this. And come <clears> on through. <throat> so, therefore, Dylan's whole entire statement is bullshit. Well, that's because Wait, Dylan like, Dylan didn't know. He was just making it up. And I don't. I mean, <clears throat> I guess with this with this episode, um, I told you before the show. Like, I have my hard opinions, and I don't think anyone's going to convince me differently. Yeah. So, Dylan. It's all stories. Everything that came out of his mouth and Whitley's mouth, all just stories, just storytelling. <clears throat> nothing, nothing of what that their timeline or what they're saying most likely ever happened. Exactly. It's all just some fantastical story that they made up. So now remember they leave. So they stop by a gas station. Uh, Christian fills up Dylan's truck for coming to get him. The trip back course. to Meridian, three hours, three and a half. They get back to Meridian between 1130, 1130, 1145. Um, and after 1240 p.m., there is absolutely no more activity on Christian's phone until 344 p.m. Okay. So after Christian gets off the boat, the only people he sees and talks to are Dylan and Whitley. Mm -hmm. Now, between them and the police arriving on scene after being called to uh, suicide, 
All we have to go by are the complete statements of Dylan and Whitley that were given to the police. Dylan calls 911 at 445 saying, we've had a suicide. I listened to that 911 call. The reason I don't like that opener to me is just you're setting the scene. You're preemptively placing the seed of this because as someone who has tons of friends and everything that works in law enforcement, EMS, you know, any first responders, um, I can tell you this, your, your hope, your, your light lifeline is that 911 dispatcher. They're your, they're a miracle worker for you. You think that they're, they're going to work a miracle. He calls and goes, we've got a suicide. It doesn't add up to me because if it's my best friend, uh, you need to get here now. We're not, Mm -hmm. I'm not telling you what happened because I don't know what happened. You know what I mean? Well, not only that, you're, you're, I guess a normal human reaction. You're in a bit of shock. You're, you're in shock. Absolutely. Oh my God. I just, somebody's been shot, you know, not necessarily the fact that he said it's a suicide. Yeah. We've had a suicide, like the wording of it just doesn't set with me. So the officers who arrive on the scene only investigate this for about 45 minutes, declare Christian's death a suicide and they wrap it up. Now, one of the things that's weird to me, um, and it's explained by the private investigator for, that the Andriacchios actually ended up hiring on their own, Max Mays, is um, the police on scene don't ever make the declaration. And I, I double-checked, ask around about this. Police on the scene are not the ones that make a declaration of mm-hmm. cause of death. Uh, and they definitely do, don't do it in 45 minutes. Um, and the police chief there's no record of the police chief there's a list of people that said that this happened the police chief who i guess lived in these apartments or was in that area walks in and it's like shut it down um never in all of my life have i ever heard of that now they they've concluded all this in 45 minutes these have either got to be like the smartest police officers that have ever lived or a fucking troop of barney fives there is no in between with this mm-hmm. at all um why would a chief come in and stop an investigation why would the cops on scene determine in 45 minutes all these things then on top of that so christian is found with his head in the tub his feet outside the tub he's laying over it but not like not like he's kneeling he's like laying beside it like he's given a dog a bath kind of um, it's like he's laying over the edge of the tub with his waist and hips holding the weight on the side, but his hands are outside of the tub, like by his sides. Like he fell forward into the tub. Right. Um, there's a bullet hole in the wall on the other side of the bathroom by the light switch. Um, and the only bullet collected was inside the tub and the gun was found wedged between christian's left thigh mm-hmm. and, and the tub. tub now so they, i'm sorry <laughs> now the gun is unchambered and the gun that was used was a semi-automatic or the gun they said was used was a semi-automatic which automatically reloads itself after a shot so someone had to have manipulated the weapon after it went off clearly they did considering where it was found the blood mm-hmm. at the crime scene was dried Yet they predicted the timeline of this suicide would have suggested he shot himself. Within 
the previous hour of the 911 call. Um, now, once the cops are, quote unquote, done investigating, um, they inform the Andriacchios. They finally inform the Andriacchios. Um, now, in all of that and listening to the 911 call and all this, um, which we'll get into in part two on the, the 911 call, but um, there's a lot of things that don't add up. And why were the Andriacchios not informed by the authorities themselves? I still don't understand that. But Ray and Todd are out eating dinner. And Todd's dad called and said, hey, y'all need to come home. They kind of disregarded it. They finished eating. And then Todd's dad called again and says, there's been a tragedy uh, to one of the kids. Like something's happened. You need to come home. They go through like a mental check, you know, their parents. And they're like, well, Alexa's at church, so she's fine. Christian's on the boat. Ray talked to him that morning. Um, you know, maybe Josh got hurt on the boat. Um, he's newer out there and not quite a season. So they thought Josh was injured. Something had happened to him. So they get to Todd's dad's house, and he actually has to be the one to tell them that Christian is deceased. Ray's like, nope, that's not true. Todd's dad gave Ray's uh, Christian gave Ray Christian's license that was taken off of him and said it was a suicide at his apartment. Uh, Ray obviously doesn't believe him. Not only was Christian not at his apartment, but he definitely wouldn't kill himself. So, in fact, every single person that knew Christian that I've read or listened to anything about. Um, so there's no way that he would have done this. I mean, he loved life. He loved his family, his friends. Um, he was never depressed. He never showed signs of like, you know, this suicidal depression or suicidal ideology. Um, and let's just say, we never know what somebody's actually going through mentally every day, right. but there true. are, there are signs. There are always Sometimes. signs. Anybody yeah. that tells you there aren't, there are, you just didn't look at them. In this case, mm -hmm. not one person can confirm there was ever an ounce of signs for this. Um, and everybody's like, no, he didn't kill himself. It's not even possible. Christian wouldn't do that. I think not. there was no sign of suicide, but definitely signs of toxicity in that relationship. Oh, absolutely. That. The, the level you know, of toxicity. Knew, is just but what can you do, you know? Now, after this incident... Christian's brother Josh is the one that was actually forced to clean up the crime scene, which is with complete his, bullshit. Uncle um, Chris, um, yeah, they went back because into that here's the thing though. Here in Mississippi, and I know from personal experience, I have a friend whose husband um, passed at home, and uh, we have a company that's all nation or statewide called Trauma Clean. We also have Serve Pro, which does crime scene cleanup. Um, so they never even alerted to try to get a cleanup. So Josh, his brother, and his uncle are now the ones that are having to clean up this this space. Mm. Um, now Christian's parents have, you know, revisited the site of where their son supposedly committed suicide. They found a bloody towel stuffed behind the toilet and a knife covered in blood. They take these items to the police. They're lost. Where are they? Nobody yeah. knows where these items are. And the authorities are saying we never got them. I mean, they yeah. you just keep going back and forth in circles. But we brought it, you know, and they just keep saying we don't we don't have it. So, so yeah. then Christian's autopsy 
is deemed undetermined, which is not a suicide, just undetermined, undetermined. you know, cause of death. Yeah, exactly. So. so then he has a fracture on the back of his skull and a small wound between his eyebrows, which was confirmed to have happened before death. Mm, like the bridge of his nose or something. Yeah, like, like that. in this, from what I gather in this area. Um, now, remember, Josh is on a boat near New Orleans when he's called up to the captain and says someone's on the phone for him. Um, they tell Josh that Christian's committed suicide. Josh said absolutely not and hung up the phone and goes back to work. Um, and eventually, they're like, no. You, you got to right. go home. So he gets off the boat with his uncle. Um, and his uncle Chris picks him up and brings him back to Meridian. So once he's allowed back in the apartment, Josh said he's completely shocked by the state of the place. He's gone less than four weeks. And when he come, when he left, this place is spotless. Um, now, when he comes back, there are cigarettes and empty beer containers holes in the wall um and christian's mattress it's like they took a knife and just slashed this mattress looking for something now what could you possibly be looking for in a mattress why would you destroy um, yeah. why would you do that that um, why, you're looking why for money that? or something that's my that's thought. what i think so then ray asked chris to please get christian's phone and the keys to the bmw so Chris goes back into the police department and he asked the officers for the keys to Christian's car and Christian's cell phone. The officers told him they didn't know where they were. Um, he told him they would have to ask one of those doofuses back there. I'm not going to call them people. Those are dumbasses. Right. Um, so Chris goes back and he asked Whitley. And at first she says, I don't know. I don't have them. So they're like, we're not leaving until we have these things. So this is right. a back Worth. I don't have them. I don't know. I don't have them. I don't know. So they're like, we're not leaving until we have them. And then miraculously, guess what? I think he's implying he did it for the money. Yeah. Um, guess what? She produces them out of her purse. The phone yeah. was in her purse all along with his keys. So that to me is just a giant red flag. Okay. Mm. Um, because she just blatantly is like, I don't know where they are. I don't have them. I don't know where they are. I don't have them. And then Produces them when they're like we're not leaving. Yep. When you when she's when she's backed into a corner, she produces it. Exactly. But I'm, I'm so surprised that they didn't ask any more questions. Like, why are you trying to hide this? What what are you? What, why wouldn't you just tell us you had it? You know exactly. But now remember, <clears throat> Shitley and Dylan are questioned. Okay. Mm. Dylan gives his side of the story. Dylan claimed that Christian arrived at the apartment at 1130 a.m. and argued with Whitley. Um, now, Dylan says he stays upstairs the whole time. Okay. He says he stays upstairs the whole time. They're arguing. They're fighting. Yada, yada. And he says that Christian puts a gun to his head and is like, do you love me? But now he never right. came downstairs. Okay. So Whitley's supposedly trying to get the gun away from Christian and He's acting like crazy, and Dylan just stays upstairs watching from upstairs. Yeah. Now, if you're my best friend and you're acting like that, I'm coming down here. We're going to, like, sort some shit out. All yeah. Right? Uh, Period. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, 
But no, no, he just stays up there. So now this is we just the whole time I've listened and read and I'm like, but really though? So he's like, oh, they're just fighting and yada, yada, yada. They're back and forth. He's holding a gun to his head. Then mm. they calm down and we watched a movie. I so I so we go from that pulling fucking times. guns to Disney movies or whatever. There like was, there was that statement was said a couple times. Like yes. things went down again, and then oh, we just sat down and watched a movie. There's like, that much fighting, and then you sit down and watch a movie. Yeah. Now I'm pulling guns on myself is, and other people, and yada yada yada. But now we just watched a movie. So, um, after this movie, they supposedly watched. Dylan says he's going to run errands and go get something to eat and y'all, y'all want anything. And Christian supposedly gives him his card and says Chick-fil-A and go pull all of my money out of my bank account. And you take it. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, he just gives him his card. No pin number, though. Go to Chick-fil-A, get the Lord's Chicken and go take all my money out of the bank. And you just take it and frolic. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So, but now, too, remember, Christian's supposedly pulling a gun and putting it to his head. Now, if my friend's doing that and I am going to mm-hmm. leave, there's Dylan trying to get the money. As you can mm-hmm. see, like, he's here at the bank. So, that's that's confirmed. Um, Now, Christian's pulling a gun and putting it to his head, right? You're gonna leave. Are you gonna are you gonna leave the gun there? No. But he says he took the gun away from Christian and he kept it while they watched the movie and he unloaded it, but then he he gave it back to Christian, but then he says he hid it behind a curtain so Christian wouldn't find it. So I but then an hour yeah. later, of course, Dylan's seen trying to get the money. Um he told the police that he had gone to the credit union and they said why did you do that? And he said, because he wanted me to have it. So, unfortunately for Dylan, though, they're stupid. And Christian didn't give him a PIN number. So, no money came out of his Because account. I don't think that, I don't think that Christian actually gave him. I don't either. I don't, I don't think that. he said, here, go take all my money. Here's my information. I don't know. I don't think that he did that. I mean, there was, um, I, I, I don't know where I heard it, read it, whatever. Um, they had found a a piece of paper with the account number and the routing number on it in the apartment. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know where that came from or what it was for. Um, maybe that's how they got a hold of it. I don't know. But I don't believe that he said, here, take all my money. I don't want it. Yeah. So then Dylan says he returns to the house. Now, he didn't get any money, but he returns to the house where Christian and Whitley took a ride to talk about things. There's no proof of this ride, by the way. Um, but then he wakes up and he sees Christian sitting on the couch, smoking a cigarette, and Whitley's asleep in another room. Um, and then Dylan decides that he's going to leave again, and um, he tells Christian he's going to go to Best Buy and look at some speakers or something. Um, but Dylan decided to leave, so he gave Christian his gun back. He's like, "Here you go, buddy." Now, when police ask why he did but that, he Dylan said, don't, said, well, don't take it um, with me. He said, make sure you unload it and don't touch it again. <laughs> yeah, because that's that's going to make me yeah, listen if I'm going to do something yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. But um, when the cops asked, well, why did, why did you do this? Dylan said, I couldn't take it with me. Well, he never took it with him the first time. 
But he's supposed to be out, out of hiding, you know. Yeah, no, I so um, yeah. then after he runs these errands, going to Best Buy about these speakers, he returns to Christian's apartment around four. This is what he claims. He claims that Whitley's asleep at the time that Christian was nowhere to be seen. Um, and then he noticed a light on upstairs, so he knocks on the door asking, Are you all right? Why is your first thought to be like knocking on the bathroom door? Are you all right? First, he said, oh, I thought he was taking a shower. Well, you would hear water. This apartment is like 700 square feet, little bitty apartment, okay? The walls are paper thin. You're going to hear water running in a shower. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Now, Willie is, says that she's just on Xanax, barred out her mind or whatever. And so she's asleep. She slept through all of this, right? And so he apparently talks to Whitley. Whitley responds. Whitley goes back to sleep. I don't know. There's so many versions of this stories that they told. Mm. But um, he's knocking on the door, man. Are you all right? Gets no response. So he rushes in there to wake Whitley up and let her know that Christian's in the bathroom and not answering him. But Whitley goes back to sleep. So he opens the door and says he discovers Christian's body slumped in the bathtub. So now Willie's barred out. She's been sleeping through all this excitement in this apartment. Um, and then all of a sudden she just pops up out of bed. Just, you know, I'm awake. I'm awake. So he shouts to her and he's like, Christian's dead. Never checked him any further. Whitley apparently, now remember, she's supposedly asleep and this, that, and that. But then she runs up the stairs screaming and holds Christian while Dylan calls 911. Now, when he makes the initial call, once again, he said he had seen blood spatter on the stairs. But if Christian closed the door, put his head in the tub, and then he shot himself, why is there blood spatter outside of the bathroom, number one? I have mm. questions. But then Whitley's side of the events. So Whitley's statement starts by telling the cops that Christian didn't trust her. She was planning on leaving him and she was she had just convinced herself that they could work it out. And she said the night before Christian came home, he called her saying he was quitting his job and coming back. Now this is the same time frame they were apparently not speaking on. Remember? She's not talking to mm -hmm. him. Now, his parents are like, mm -mm, Christian would have never, ever quit his job. He worked too hard no. for this. <clears throat> no. um, so, Whitley never mentioned any argument that took place between the two where Christian puts a gun to his head. She never mentions this to the cops. Instead, she said they weren't, they went on a ride to a park where Christian told her that he couldn't make, he felt like he couldn't make anyone happy. Um, and the last piece of her statement was that they got home and she took a nap with her dog. Now, when the police asked Whitley if Christian ever talked about hurting himself, she said, I don't think so. So what about him putting a gun to his head earlier? Because that's what y'all are saying, right. what Dylan says. So she says, oh, I slept through the gunshot. Mm. No, ma'am. I've shot many a 45 in my life, and I'm telling you right now, ain't no way you slept through that in that little bitty apartment. This is all possible. What's weird is is with with that said, um, 
it's weird that all of a sudden um, she wakes up because Dylan comes comes in and yells to her. He's like, "Hey, Christian!" But you didn't wake up to a forty five caliber gun, but you you woke up to to somebody shouting. Yeah, that makes sense. sense. I think I know later. I mean, if I killed him, right? If I killed somebody, my story would probably not make sense either. I'm just saying. True. Um, Um. Later on, you know, we'll find more about how sh- her story changes multiple times. It's first oh, I found him, then it's oh, Dylan found him, and then it's just on and on and on. So, you know, and then so in this, Christian, Whitley, and Dylan, the, the cops are like, we're doing a gunshot residue test on their hands. Whitley out of the blue was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have gunshot residue on me. I was out shooting the night before, which will that culpable will call that gun night. Okay. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. That episode. So that she's like, I'm, I'm already gonna have GSR on me. Now, here's a fun fact about GSR if anybody didn't know, it doesn't last as long as most people think. And you that's gunshot residue. Yeah. Just for listeners. Yeah. Um, so it only stays on someone's hand for about four to six hours may maybe 12 okay unless they take a shower and they wash their hands it's gonna lessen now dylan's came back positive as well but if you weren't at the house if if you weren't at the house Mm -hmm. how how did that happen if you weren't in the apartment you weren't in the house and you were at best buy looking at speakers or gallivanting trying to take his money why do you have gunpowder? You know, How do you gun have residue? gunshot residue on your hands? Mm-hmm. Um, now, she says, oh, well, I have it on me because I was out with this shooting, guy named Matt yeah. Miller. Uh, that's the guy that she was driving around in Christian's car. And they're shooting guns the night before. So I guess she just, you know, didn't shower. Now, Matt comes forward and says, Whitley only started talking to him once Christian left for this trip. Matt asked Whitley if she was still with Christian, and she says no. So, despite she Whitley said, saying no, that he was she with shot someone a, else or something, yeah, yeah, she wasn't with anyone. She yeah. wasn't with Christian anymore. So then, yeah. despite her saying that she shot guns with him, Matt says no, she didn't. Says that she was too scared. Said that the entire time they were out at gun night um, with his cousin Jet Miller. She was sitting on his lap with her ears covered. And guess mm. what? They ended up banging it out before heading back to Christian's apartment. But then Matt gets the news of Christian suicide the day after. So he calls Whitley's phone and she doesn't answer. Who he calls one of Whitley's friends, who she's, I guess, staying with now because her free ride's now dead. Mm. Uh, Whitley told Matt that Christian found out that she was cheating on him so they rode around to talk about it and they took a nap together hmm. that's so there's another discrepancy Whitley told the yeah. police that she took a nap by herself uh she also told matt that she woke up to the sound of a gunshot she ran upstairs and found a bullet wound to christian's throat, throat. yep throat but then she admitted okay. to matt that christian did make threats to hurt himself um, and then, but now here's what this really fucks me up. She tells Matt Miller that when she found Christian's body, she went through his pants pockets and took a cigarette out to go smoke it. 
that chilled me. I, I don't. He's dead. I, don't, I couldn't even go near someone that I love's dead body in that moment. Are you, I couldn't. No I, I would be so distraught that something happened to them that I, I'd be outside somewhere, just away from the body. Um, but she says she went through his pockets. That's what she told Matt Miller is that she went through his pockets mm -hmm. and got a cigarette. So she contradicts her story to the police mm -hmm. because she told the authorities she never heard the gunshot and he had zero suicidal behavior. Um, and then, furthermore, Christian's phone records show that on the afternoon that he supposedly shot himself at the time when Whitley says she was asleep, now on the couch, not in the bed, Seven calls were made from Christian's phone to Matt Miller. Okay. These calls but are from those, Whitley. But those two, Matt Miller and Christian, were not connected. They were not two no. people that really knew each other at all. No. There would be no reason for Christian to be calling Matt. No. At that and time. Matt says that the calls came from Whitley. She said mm -hmm. that she was asking him to come get her because her and Christian were fighting. So she, he says, yeah, she called me from Christian's phone, but it was Whitley. Um, so why would Christian willingly let Whitley call another dude from his phone to come get mm -hmm. her if they were fighting about her cheating in the first place? Right. Now, during sense. this super duper short investigation, if we'll call it that, um, it comes out that Christian's car that he drove to work has been moved early before his death on the 26th. So between 2 and 6 a.m. Now, remember, Christian had two cars. He drove his Jeep to the job site in Vicksburg and the BMW that Whitley's riding around in. Christian mm -hmm. obviously couldn't have moved it himself because he was on a boat in the water. So, and then the lockbox, the $7,000 and the gun in the lockbox, gone. Still not found. Never seen again. Christian, now, mm -hmm. we're going to, like, yeah. So then, like, getting to the gun and the bullet. Now, we've talked about some discrepancies. This is just part one. I'm telling you, y'all. Wait, this, this is... But let's talk about the gun and the bullet for two seconds. Christian's right-handed. The gun is found between his left thigh and the tub. All right? Now, even more questionable is that the gun's been manually decocked. This this gun doesn't do that automatically. Mm -hmm. So the assumption here is somehow in some realm, Christian shoots himself in the right side of his head with his non-dominant left hand and decocks his own gun, putting a live round in the chamber before collapsing on the side of the tub. Yeah. That right there, that in itself is enough to to prove that wasn't suicide. That in itself. Anything else is just like doesn't even matter at this point. Um, that single thing, the right side of the temple has the bullet wound and the gun is on the ground between his left thigh. So not sure great physics there. I don't know. But um but now even the Andriacchio's attorney says that that gun, there's no way would have ended up beneath him. The recall would have sent it to, I don't know, the right, considering he was shot in the right side of his head. Um, right. Now, the bullet was found in the tub. Mm -hmm. 
but the bullet that was found had been found to have drywall on it, like oh. wallboard, you know. Um, and the, it's a completely through and through wound in his head, meaning the bullet went somewhere after leaving his body. Um, and there was a bullet hole in the bathroom wall by the light switch, but the bullet was in the tub, and Christian was over the tub. But right. there's not a hole in the tub. So this bullet never touched the tub, other than in the tub. So, now it's... Physics don't exist in this apartment, or somebody's story it's is all a gravity and physics, and yeah, no... I mean, right. you have one of two options. Either physics don't exist in this in in that apartment, in apartment 801. Or somebody lied. Those are the options. Mm-hmm. Um now when we get into part 2, when we talk about cuz this is just their stories. We've we've touched base on what happened to Christian or supposedly how he he passed, right? And remember this, so going into part two, there were no fingerprints at all on the gun. Mm, Yeah, none. Yeah, we'll get into that. So how did he pull the trigger and there's he didn't he didn't leave a fingerprint? He didn't have those? Mm -hmm. There was no blood on the gun, there was no fingerprints on the gun. So, yeah, but part two, we definitely need to dive into that. Yeah. yeah. So part two, we're going to get into some of the, the things that this poor family has endured, not only in the death of their their family member, but also the things that Ray herself has had to go through. Um, and we're going to talk about that 911 call and we're going to dissect it because mm-hmm. I have a timeline. I have all of these things and. This case is not one that you can wrap up in, in one show. I, I was going to try it first. And then the more <laughs> I went into it and I was like, it's not even possible. This this is not. It can't be done. It cannot. Right. Be done. No, no so, too much um, going um, on. So next week, yeah. if you tune in for part two, we will be diving into actually Dylan and Whitley's actual statements. I have a copy of those. We're going to read those. And then we're going to talk about that 911 call and the things that this family has endured. Um, and we may have a special surprise. So we may we'll have a that. very su- yes, we may have a surprise for you. You don't want to miss it. No. Um, but as once again, thank y'all so much for tuning in to Cocktails and Crimes. Mm-hmm. You can find us on all major platforms, and we are audio now. We're on so Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Basically anywhere you can find a podcast. So yes, I'm super excited to finally announce mm-hmm. that. We've been working super hard yep. to get to the audio section. So you can now listen to us. If you don't want to see our faces, you can just listen to us talk. We do that. Yeah. Um it works. But cheers, ladies and gentlemen. And here's one sip for the books. Have your cocktails and we'll cover the crimes. Bye. Bye, guys. And don't forget to go check out my friend over here on Lost Common Sense and Unexplained Realms. And we will be back on Thursday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time with Part 2 for Christian Andriacchio.
Bye, guys.